Any minute now, it'll. There we go. <laughs> right then. So <laughs> this is this is sort of weird gap when you start recording where it just goes silent for a second. And you, Hello. Um, it's an awkward silence. Uh, that's a song by Simon and Garfunkel, isn't it? No, oh, that's Bridge Over Troubled Water. <laughs> so this is Kino Kingdom Twenty, which is nice. It's uh, not Kino Kingdom Twenty. Sorry, this is State of Play Twenty, catching up to Kino Kingdom Twenty Three. Um, yeah, I've. It's been a while since we've done one of these. October the 27th was the last time I uploaded a oh, state yeah. of play. So um, there's a lot to go through. But instead of doing like... Because um, what I don't know about you, Rupert, what I found this year, because obviously I do lots of reviews for gamesfreezer.co.uk, is um, I, I was... This, this year, my game of the year list was more of a... Um, ones that stuck in my mind for various reasons as opposed to like a top 10. Because I realized there were only like one or two that I really loved this year. Like really... Mm-hmm. Like absolute classics. So, what I've done for this, for, for my half of it anyway, is I've sort of chosen ones that I just wanted to talk about. Yes. <laughs> like not so much good or bad, just ones I wanted to mention. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, I've just got a few key ones that I've been playing recently. I found myself playing fewer games more this year, I think, especially the last few months. Maybe it's a lockdown thing. Maybe it's knowing that I've got that time. And being surprised, yeah, and being surprised by how much time I still get despite having had a child. <laughs> <laughs> you can still you've played through Skyrim is it fourteen times this year? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> always as a as a uh, scout archer naturally. <laughs> um, so what I want to do, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna list them up front uh, like we normally do. I'm just gonna chip through them because it's quite a it's quite a odd list so i think i'll move on to just spring them on you um so shall i kick off i think you shall okie dokie then so the first one i'm going to talk about is <laughs> strife <laughs> the oh, yes. pc uh, rpg well the fps rpg classic or so i thought from 1996 which was recently ported to the nintendo switch by uh, Night Dive Studios, who are a, an awesome studio, quite frankly, and the head, the head of Night Dive Studios, it looks like a young Ed Norton. Good. Um, so, for those unfamiliar, Strife was released it, it on the Build Engine in '96, and it's kind of a, it's visually sort of familiar to stuff like uh, Blood and Duke Nukem, but it had RPG elements in it uh, where you could um, sort of upgrade your weapons and. You could uh, change your armors and so on and so forth. And there was sort of a town hub you could go to that differentiated it a little bit from mm. games of the time, which was basically like find the keys, open the doors, next level, next level, next level. So we had a conversation. I've, I've been holding on to this for a few months because we had a conversation like earlier in the year, probably like um, like June, July time, uh, where we were talking about shareware. And I mm. remember, I remember loving Strife, really, really loving it. And... When when I played it again, it became obvious to me that obviously when I was younger, what I did was I must have had the Shewa version. And this is the, the absolute pinnacle example of a game with a really strong opening act. And then it just <laughs> kind of devolves after that. So where it starts off, you know, you, you it's all about this resistance. You get it's fully fully voice acted, which is quite cool with almost uh, beneath a steel sky kind of 
cartoony Dave Gibbons esque visuals, if you know what I mean, okay. in, in the sort of in the intertitles and stuff. So you're playing the game and you start off with um, like this cool like um, dagger in your hand, and then you get a crossbow, blah blah blah. You join the resistance. You're not sure who to trust. Um, the the problem is that all of this kind of intrigue it it eventually just breaks down after like an hour or two into mm. into into just right you're leaving the town now and now you you have to go to this place and this place and this place and they just like bog standard FPS levels right uh, so the whole sort of aspect that dragged me in that that light RPG element blended with FPS which was really unique especially in the mid nineties just just falls by the wayside completely um, and it also wow. does does this really really cheap thing where it's all about i think the actual um like sort of slogan for it the the subtitle was trust no one and the whole game does this thing about you know are the rebels really on your side or you Mm. you should you but what it boils down to is just making really arbitrary decisions that you cut you have no proof of or knowledge of the outcome of either side and one of them literally leads to a dead game over within like the first 30 minutes of the game so you're like you just get swarmed, and you and even if you kill everyone, manage to kill everyone, which you could do with a cheat mode, I guess, the game kind of refuses to move forwards, so you have to start again. And Jesus. it's just, it's a really good shareware episode, but it, everything beyond that is just really boring. God, that's disappointing. But then when you think about the kind of business model of shareware, I suppose it's not that surprising. I mean, there must have been, must have been a few of these where they really focus on the the part that's free in order to draw you in and then just like, ah, just copy and paste the rest, shall we? It's, yeah, it's, it's really noticeable in this because it goes from you have this like quite neat, neat, neatly designed funky hub town with all these like crisscrossing levels, different layers. Uh, and uh, and then it goes into just, okay, you've just got to go through the swamp now. And then after that, go to the top of that tower. And it's just, <laughs> okay, then that's that mm-hmm. then, is it? That's so, yeah. disappointing. It is disappointing. It's a childhood memory completely corrupted the thing is i think isn't it in in a few years i know that i will probably happily play through that opening hour again and then the moment the game opens up i'll just stop (laughs) (laughs) just still playing shareware after 25 years brilliant (laughs) um so i'll quickly talk about ghostbusters video game then also on switch um, because I think I mentioned it last time, but I'd only just started playing it. So, but I finished it now, um, and it is. I it, my overall feeling about it is that it's a game which is almost entirely propped up by its license. If you take away the music, which is lifted from the original film, which is fine, it's good, um, and the voice acting, because it's obviously all the original uh, members of the team. Um, then the actual game is pretty simplistic and quite threadbare, really. The shooting mechanics become very repetitive. And in the second half of the game, the whole ghost capture stuff, you know, where you kind of grab a ghost and drag it into the um, little containment unit, is mm-hmm. kind of just chucked out the window, really. And you, you just end, it ends up being a pretty basic third-person shooter. Um, <laughs> not a particularly pretty one either, to be honest. It's got those kind of slightly ugly, br- like, you know, in like PS, uh, PS2 games where you'd have like, it'd be 3D and it'd be, you know, reasonably intricate 3D, but the lighting was kind of off. It just, everything looked like the same 
lighting everywhere. I don't know. It's just really, really flat Stark. looking. Oh, really? Yeah, really. St- yeah. So it doesn't have much atmosphere. Uh, and, and, you know, the amount of times you go into a different... I, they, well, they all look like hotels, basically. It's essentially the hotel scene from the original Ghostbusters over and over again. It is oh. it is all a bit one note. And I think some variety in the gameplay would have gone a long way. And it would have made the game a bit more coherent. Because as it is, you kind of lurch between these locations. And we've talked about this before, like where... A game will have all these different locations, but there'll be nothing really connecting them. And you, it's very obvious that they've come up with the locations, possibly even built the locations first, and then strung them together with um, whatever arbitrary story they can. So, yeah, series of set pieces really designed first, and then the plot kind of airdropped afterwards. So, yeah, to be honest, the Luigi's Mansion games are massively superior in terms of the basic gameplay and style and humor and really this entirely rests on your love for ghostbusters and its characters and to be fair i mean if you are if you really love ghostbusters then because it's obviously officially licensed it's got the original music original voices um sort of references the locations and stuff it probably will be quite lovely but I don't know. As far as an actual game goes, it's it's pretty limited. It's um, I know we've got a mutual friend called Lee who was was well when he started playing this. I know he was a big fan of it. I don't know how it, his interest. But I, again, I'm one of those people that I don't particularly hold Ghostbusters the movie. It's not particularly special to me. Like I enjoy the film, but um, I kind of lump it in with stuff like Goonies where it's like I'm sure it's a purely fine film but because I've got any nostalgia I don't really yeah. you know the, so I'm, I'm I've always put off buying the game because of that very reason um, mm. and, and I think from what you just said it's like if I see it in like a ridiculous sale maybe I'll give it a goosey yeah. is it two player at all or is it just one player don't think so I think it's just one player yeah, yeah I th- I think it's something I, unless it gets given to me as a gift or I, I sort of um just pick it up for like a quid or two out i don't know i don't think i'll stick to it it's a weird thing ghostbusters because it's like one of those franchises where that it's it's really loved on effectively the basis of a single good film that is really it because there really isn't anything else to go on i'm sure the animated series was was fine but yeah but i mean it's it was the animated it wasn't really in the same style it was very very kiddie i mean it what was good about the original ghostbusters film was it it kind of just bridge that gap between childhood and adulthood in terms of being like silly but also genuinely quite like intense sort of thing so yeah uh i don't know it uh, maybe it's because i played i played Luigi, luigi's mansion not that long ago uh but it just felt like there was it, this felt very very monotonous when did when did the game come out? Because I know it was ported to Switch. Oh, it was a long time. It was, a, it was a ten years ago or something. To be fair, this is the sort of remastered version. But as usual, it's like it's like on Switch, it's like half remastered sort of thing. You know, like the Skyrim um, port and stuff. So you're not getting 60 FPS or anything like that. 
I suppose as well, yeah. Th- Luigi's Mansion would have come out in like when it was on the GameCube, so like two thousand two or whatever. Yeah. This came out in two thousand nine, and then mm-hmm. in between that, you've now had like Luigi's Mansion, like is it it's two or three or whatever? Three so like, now. Three, yeah. yeah. So you're like, no, I just if you're going to play that kind of game, like you say, at least unless you're hips deep into the license, you're going to just exactly. go for Luigi's Mansion three. Exactly, because if you're going like just in terms of gameplay, it's just not as good as Luigi's Mansion, not as varied. So yeah. Oh, well, I'll put that on the back shelf. Yes. Um, next one from me is the Angry Video Game Nerd Deluxe uh, version, which has got one and two, which is fully remastered. Um, I, I've played, if you've ever played, I know you're not, I, I do like AVGN, ironically, for nostalgic reasons, really, because it's been going for about 12 years now. Right. Um, I, I do kind of keep up to speed with the, the main episodes. Um, I originally played uh, the AVGN games. Um, which, yeah, for those who don't know, it's based on the Angry Video Game Nerd. Sony basically did the original thing of angrily reviewing games, but there was actually like a modicum of fun to it, not just a lot of like bitterness like the copycats do. Um, mm. So this is, you play the Angry Video Game Nerd himself in these games. They're, they're very similar uh, stylistically. They're 2D platformers. And whilst the game does obviously have a lot of references to the show, I think they're strong enough to be played on their own merit because right. what what they do is it's sort of like a both of them have like a sort of a, a hub world you can choose these i think it's like four or six sort of branching paths and there's like two or three stages then a boss fight kind of thing and the whole each game can be completed in like two to three hours unless you're doing like full collectibles and unlocking everything in speed runs but they're almost like there's not like a moment of originality in them but they're almost like highlights of of the genre so right. you'll have you'll have boss fights that kind of call back to other more famous boss fights, um, mm. and you'll have uh, not so much not as bad as Rick Dangerous, but you know like some super meat boyish sort of sections. But they're so heavily checkpointed. Um, you can turn the checkpoints off. Obviously, you can have the difficulty because the difficulty basically affects how many checkpoints there are. Uh, so yeah. which is quite cool. So because um, I was playing through it for a second time, I just had it pretty regular checkpoints because. I didn't want. I wanted to enjoy it. I didn't want to go through the level of infuriation I kind of had the first time, which I wanted at that time. If you know what I mean, mm. I just wanted to kind of breeze through it and have fun. Yeah, and they, they, like I said, they're really breezy. This one's got an extra final chapter when you complete both games. Yeah, the visuals have been really nice upgraded. They're nice thick um, pixel artwork, not chunky, very colourful. The soundtrack is awesome. It's such an energetic chiptune soundtrack. Available and- on vinyl. Uh, yes, it is, but it is très expensive. So um, I, I I haven't got it yet, and, it, and I think it's like that three or four discs. Very as well. expensive in Greek. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I really recommend it, even if you're not really a fan of, of of the show, because you can kind of ignore the references. There are some funny bits that are just funny, uh, just on on the dialogue that comes up. There's a bit of bad language and stuff, so it's probably not suitable for kids, and some fecal jokes. But it's more about the gameplay, really. This like really bouncy music and like quite the fact that it plays like a series of mini games and highlights of certain subgenres of the platforming genre means it's always interesting and it's so brisk and brief that it mm. never gets tedious. So the fact you can get it on sale and smash through it both of them in like four or five hours and think, oh, do you know what? I really enjoyed that. <laughs> um, so it's so good it's, it's, quite, yeah, brief as well. That's good. Yeah. So that it just adds to the highlight reel feel of it. Yeah. Um, are there any other weak elements, though, given its highlight kind of nature? No, it's it's too. I suppose it's if you wanted, if you wanted to get um, 
the controls are really nice and responsive. Like you've got a Nintendo Zapper used to shoot enemies, and you can—it's like a sort of twin stick vibe. And you know, you can um, you can hold down one of the shoulder buttons, I think it is, and rotate your arm and stuff. So there's the enemies are uh, the enemies are there more for variation than challenge. It's more about making your way through the environments. Uh, right. Which which are all you'll have you know one that's like an alien sort of style one that's like a retro world one that's like a like a candy world taking the piss out of Zool, that kind of thing. If you it's it's very it's very selfish. Those chubba chaps everywhere. It, <laughs> I can imagine some people if they re, if they actively didn't like the show they would probably just think oh, I don't want to play this character. But it, it's brisk and fun enough to, to stand on its own as like a really fun platforming uh, platforming game, and they they fit really well together as well. Oh, nice. Um, where are they? What are they on? What platform? I re- I review these on Steam, um, on Switch, but they are also available on Steam, and I think they come into the PS4. But I know they're definitely out on Switch. Nice. Okay, that sounds intriguing. The the brevity as well always sounds intriguing, especially after yeah, coming off the back of <laughs> Valhalla. Yeah, it, it's like. When I originally played it, um, I think the difficulty was obviously I played it on a higher difficulty, and I, I think it's been, I think it's been not chopped down, but it's been sort of further refined. So yeah. you'll have a bit where there's like um, appearing and disappearing platforms, for example. And in the original, the checkpoint, you'd have to do three or four of those sections to hit the next checkpoint, and it was it was always perfectly balanced enough. So you thought, I can do this. This is irritating, but I can do this. It's just required some pixel perfect jumping. Um, the controls are really responsive as well, which is important in this. Um, Good, but but. But you can, you know, if you drop the difficulty a section, it'll be the exact same puzzles, but the checkpoints will be after each mini section. So you don't have to do four difficult bits. You just have to break them down, which is quite a nice way of doing it in this kind of game. Yes. Yes. I do like a checkpoint. (laughs) I'm a fan of checkpoints. (laughs) Big thing. Um, Okay. I might check that out then. Uh, And they come, do they come as a pack then or? Yeah, the deluxe version is the one and two and the bonus chapter together, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, let me talk about Rainbow Six Siege then. Okay. So this is on Xbox Series X. Uh, I think it's partly um, upgraded. Well, it's 60 FPS and it looks quite nice. So Good. Um, I, this is, it's an FPS. Um but I've only played it in co-op multiplayer, so that's all I'm going to talk about. I don't know what like the competitive online is like. Probably tedious because I just get shot in the head constantly. It's usually what <laughs> happens. But I played the played the co-op a lot, um, and it's it's become to known it come to be known as the ultimate team kill simulator um, because it's so easy to shoot each other in the head. Um, so. The first thing you notice about this game is the menu system. It is baffling when you first get into the menu. It's just, I don't know what it is. It's a few games like this, modern games, and they have these, they don't just have a list of options. They'll have like icons everywhere dotted around the screen. Some icons are big, some are small. Uh, There won't be any words on them sort of thing. So it'll just literally be an icon with like a picture of a disc or a picture of a sword or something. It's like, what? What do these mean? So you, anyway, so you get through that and you do eventually get into the game itself, which is, and we've been doing um, these, uh, obviously they're co-op modes. So basically you start as a team, one to four players, and you, there are different modes basically. And, and you kind of just, 
hit start and see what you get it will just like shuffle through the different modes in the different locations so i think there are four modes there's kill everyone which is just where you go into somewhere and just kill all the people um there's one where you have to go in and rescue a hostage and escort them back out to the the landing zone there's one where you have to defuse a bomb and there's one where you have to protect a hostage so you can before you go into the kind of facilities, you can send in these little remote robots to go and scout the place, which is quite fun. So, and you can sort of uh, mark enemies where they are at that point, sort of thing. So you can have a little preview of what's come. Um, uh, like the different modes uh, vary in difficulty. I think defusing the bomb is particularly hard because you need to shoot your way there and then defend the bomb from like enemies coming in. And then you've got, protecting the hostage is, is more like a kind of horde mode where you're basically just in a room and and you just got to reinforce your little base. You've reinforced the windows, the doors, the walls, but the enemies will come through in a series of waves and they can blast through the walls and jump through the windows. And it's cool because the tactics that you that you uh, kind of do together, they, they develop quite naturally and... A voice chat is pretty much essential, really. The gameplay itself is is quite slow and methodical. Um, you you know you're not you can't really just rush around shooting enemies in the head and taking hits. You really need to get the jump on enemies because you can't heal uh, unless you have like a medic who can help you out a bit. But you can't heal, so you really need to get the jump on enemies and be quite tactical about it. And okay. they can just wing you. In which case you can be revived. You're kind of prone on the floor. But if they really nail you, then you're just dead for the round. Um, so the controls are pretty standard FPS stuff. So you can like lean around corners and stuff. But you, there's nice little things like you make less noise when you're crouched, which is very useful. But also you can hear the enemies like stomping around the place and like talking to each other. So you can tell where they are sort of in relation to you. Um, you, the different characters are called operators and there are loads of them they the operators they basically they just change your loadout really they have a different appearance and they change your loadout so some will have like a big shield but can only use a sidearm others will have these huge breaching charges which like blow open walls and then you can have ones where you can set traps like bear traps and claymores and stuff so you you could kind of choose them depending on the type of mission you're doing like there's no point in having anyone tactical if you're just going in there to blast the place whereas you might want if you're if you're protecting a hostage you might want to choose one with traps and stuff um you do you start out with a, a bunch of operators but you gradually buy more with xp so after each mission you get a bit of xp and then um i'm guessing there are probably microtransactions as well but i well just playing the game we've unlocked a bunch of them so it's not really a big deal uh and i just i think it's a really cool game a really cool co-op game because teamwork is genuinely rewarded like if you go off on your own to just do your own thing then you probably will die and so genuinely having at least two people together is a necessity and there's a real sense after each each time you're just wiped out there's a real sense of oh we can do this we can do this it is possible. Um, and but also you've got that added tension of the fact that because you're so kind of vulnerable, that the 
possibility of accidentally headshotting your teammates is just hilariously tense all the time. And it does happen. Um, <laughs> there are a few single player wise, there are a few training modes which are actually quite fun. They are essentially the same deal where you're doing the same kind of game modes, but you're doing it alone. So it's a bit harder. But you get you get sort of like um stars for doing different tasks. You remember in um Door Kickers Action Squad, then <laughs> yes. you like it's kind of like that, but obviously different perspective. But yeah. it's kind of like that that you've got challenges that you're aware of before the game starts, where it's like finish with more than fifty health, um, don't let the hostage be hit or whatever. You know those those sorts of things, and then you'll get stars for, and they'll give you more XP. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so it's definitely worth playing. I would say even if you've no interest in competitive multiplayer, like there's plenty there to, if, if I think single player, it would be a bit dull, but if you're going to, if you can get a co-op team together, um, then it's really, really fun. Um, is there Rainbow Six Siege 2 coming out or is it out? Don't you? Oh, I, don't I, think so. I know that Rainbow Six, well, Rainbow Six Siege actually came out like five years ago and it didn't do very well. I, I think it was really bare bones when it first came out, so it didn't sell much at all. But now it's got, you know, like 50 million players. It's just ridiculous. It's huge. I'm guessing oh. that uh, most of them are playing the kind of um, competitive stuff. Competitive, I would have thought. I guess the competitive stuff would be a lot like Counter-Strike or something like that, because Counter-Strike was all about, um, you know, protecting the bomb and and the other team defusing the bomb, etc. Um, so it was very similar in that regard. And it's got that similar thing of each player being quite vulnerable. So you can't just wade in and wait for your health to regain. But that yeah, is cool. Fun game. That does sound quite cool. Yeah, no, that that is cool. Because I played, um, oh god, what was it called? I played it single player, and I stopped after a while because it just turned into a grind. It was Rainbow Six. What's it called? The other Vegas? No, no, <laughs> not not Vegas on the three hundred and sixty, which is one of the best co-op games to go it's through. It's amazing. Um, it, I can't remember. It's like not the the, the department or something. I can't remember. But um, yeah, it was just not a grind. Yes. Yeah. Division, I think is that, is that one of the part of Rainbow Six? Then? It's, it's Tom Clancy, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe I'm just be getting confused. Yeah. I, well, I, I think I imagine it's very, very similar, to be honest. Um, um, but yeah, that well, that really is a grind, isn't it? Yeah. That was single yeah. player and that was just dull after a while. It was just, it got to the point where it's like, nah, you need four people to do this. And you think, well, I'm, it, I'm not going to do it, that, am I? It's quite <laughs> telling that in Rainbow Six Siege, the, the co op multiplayer and the single player mode they're kind of buried in like a training menu they're not it's clearly not meant to be the focus at all but um, and yet and yet it is all we played for hours on end <laughs> um well that's cool no that uh, that does sound intriguing it yeah. is nice to find a co-op um yeah anything competitive i know you and i both just like never just yeah. never have any I, I had a go we had a go on battlefield competitive and i just oh. I just got so bored so quickly. It's I, I just found myself just going around trying to do amusing things like trying to find a plane to um to like kamikaze into people and stuff. I wasn't playing it properly, which probably pissed off a lot of my anonymous teammates. 
that you don't care for. <laughs> that I careth not for. <laughs> uh, it's a slightly different change of tact from um, like a Tom Clancy game. Is a game, an indie game I played called Flea by Low Tech Games. Uh, who's a single Scottish guy? Uh, not, I don't know if his marital sex is single. It's a single developer <laughs> up in Scotland, and I got sent this review on Dreamcast. Weirdly, because this game was released on Steam, Dreamcast, and NES. So this is, um, I said, I played it on Dreamcast, and it's a single-screen platformer where you play uh, literally a little flea. Um, so it's 2D, and you cannot stop jumping. The the most you can do to stop jumping is if you like sort of tap away at the I think it's like the A button. You jump lower. <laughs> you have to like sort of stay low, stay low to go into certain things. Okay. And so the the game is that you you're bouncing around. It's literally just a two buttoner. I think you unlock other other um, skills like a dash and stuff, but it's very basic stuff. And the game is you have to sort of go around collecting vials of blood, and and give them to this giant flea that separates every, I think it's every five levels. There's 80 levels in the game, including eight bosses, which are all kind of, not boss rush, but you know, it's like a, a huge thing chasing you on a scrolling screen as you like dodge loads of, um, like a runner sort of thing, like a runner boss. The game is really, really cool, actually. It's, um, whilst the visuals are quite simplistic, because obviously it is available on NES, it's really, really smooth. The music has got that almost bubble bobble like thing going on where it's it's quite repetitive, but it's so jaunty. Uh, mm. it, it just keeps you going. You don't. It doesn't seem boring. You just seem you're like, right, okay, this is getting me in the zone now. Um, it's really interesting how it starts off because it's a real, real risk and reward design. So you start off with something like twenty one lives, and like within the first say twenty levels, you're like. I've got 180 lives. This is I'm this I'm gonna just breeze through this, and then you'll hit like one level that will just rinse 50 lives. And of course, the, the restart is instant. The second you touch a spike, you're back to the start of that stage. And so you're going through, and you're like, okay, I'm down to like 70 lives now, and I know there's a boss soon, so I need to get some more lives. So I could collect the blood vials, which act as extra lives, but they're always like off the beaten path a little bit. And you're mm. like, oh, there's eight lives over there. But what if I spend six lives trying to get it? Um, <laughs> so each level, you're like bouncing at the top of this jaunty music, and you're thinking, hang on now. And you're like working your way through this like maze path. Um, it's typ- typical sort of enemies, you know, like a lot of um, a lot of really really pixel perfect jumps, uh, and enemies on sort of set patterns. But it's more the environment that that is is the tinker and the boss is full on because they go on for like it'll be like a two or three minute which doesn't sound long scroll but when it's scrolling and you're making these constant like double jumps uh, <laughs> through different heights and, and enemies are like spinning around you and stuff and you've got this huge screen sized enemy chomping just behind you catching up you're like this is tense this is um oh, so the the boss is a chase type yes boss. chase that's yeah. what i was looking for like a runner sort of chase thing yeah. um yeah and i i really really did like this i got to level 59 and then there was the level to sort of that fifth boss before i went on and I, it took like 120 lives but i know i can do it <laughs> no i can do it and um it, this is very much one of the games that when when lockdown ends ever and we have people around i am 100 percent gonna set it up and see how far we can get through it like with a few friends because it's an absolute genius single screen puzzler that is designed the perfect mix of risk and reward mix of risk and reward and it does it does sort of uh, reward skill and it never feels a massively unfair you never hit a point to think i can't do this even like after 120 goals i was thinking i can do that why am i being so thick i can do this 
Um, so yeah, Flea, if you can, obviously it's full price if you get it on Dreamcast or NES, but it is a brilliant game. But you can get it on Steam for a few quid if you just want to uh, grab it that way as well. It seems quite atypical for Dreamcast somehow. I don't know. Like, um, yeah, usually when they they release games on Dreamcast, not like a modern retro title sort of thing, they tend to be like um, uh, shooters. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's not like they were. It was known, but yeah, I'm assuming low tech games. Um, the guy is just Alistair Lowe is the name of the developer. He's yeah. obviously just keen on the Dreamcast because they're doing another one. I think it's called Tapeworm Disco Puzzle or something. The next game, and it's that I suppose again. If it's a single developer, he's not really going to be trying to make Shenmue, is he? Really? No, good because that's boring. That would be boring. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that sounds really intriguing, actually. Yeah, um, I I love. Surprised it's not on Switch. Gimmick done well. Yeah. Hopefully, maybe one day it would be a perfect fit for Switch. Yeah, it does sound like it, especially with the really brief bite-sized. In fact, yeah. thinking about it, when because I, I was looking at his Kickstarter for this tapeworm disco puzzle, I think it's called, mm-hmm. and I it says that you know if it reaches five grand, which it has, it's past its target. If five grand, it gets released on. You know the usual three platforms, yeah. the same as Flea, and then if you get a ten grand, it's released on. Is it called the Play It or something like that? Oh, what's that? That weird yellow thing that you wind up. Oh, or yeah, that was that was strange. I forgot that existed. But then the leap then from the ten grand for that to to the Switch port is another ten grand. What? So I know, yeah. So I'm not sure how why that it's, is. That's very odd because usually it's Steam. Any and old Switch. tot comes out on Steam. <laughs> But also because, especially with indies, it tends to be Switch and Steam are the key platforms because that's where they sell most. Uh, and then it goes on to the big boy consoles. Um, and then, I guess, would move on to Casio calculators and whatever. So that is that is a bit odd because I'm thinking of like Hades um, stuff because that's currently only Switch and Steam because that's where their they previous sell. games sold, so I think so. Anyway, um, okay, let's, well, I'll talk about a Switch game then. I'll talk about Red Wings, Aces of the Sky. We have talked about this before, so I won't go through it in too much detail. Okay. Um, so this is just a recap. This is an, uh, quite an arcade World War One based shooter uh, with very light flight sim elements. Um, it runs very smoothly at 60 FPS. Uh, there's no real filler in it at all. There's no takeoffs or landings. You just chucked in the air. Um, yeah. So basically, the the fundamental gameplay has to work really, otherwise the game is screwed because there isn't really anything else to it. And thankfully, it's pretty good. So you have basic shooting, but you also have special skills. You get a barrel roll, um, and you get this 180 degree turn. There's other specials that are kind of useless. There's one that brings a fleet of planes to shoot an enemy, but it takes so long to activate that it's not worth it. And there's another one which is an insta-kill headshot, um, but it takes a long time to charge up, So and the range is pretty useless. I mean, the, you can upgrade a lot of these things to make them actually useful, um, but it, I found myself using the barrel roll mostly in the 180-degree turn. Um yeah, so you, you upgrade them by collecting stars, by successfully completing missions, in, and you get more stars for doing it at a certain time or getting a certain amount of points. Um, I found that the gameplay was really fun up to a point, but it, it began to get quite frustrating. I think I'm quite near the end, so to be fair, so I can't really complain too much. Like, But the behaviour of the enemy planes is pretty insane. Um, they... 
<laughs> they come at you. You start shooting at them, and they will just come at you and kamikaze into you every time. <laughs> and and I found that the only way you you almost get into this like loop of like shooting at a plane a bit. He turns around, comes barreling at you and and you just have to do your barrel roll in order to protect yourself because you're invulnerable when there's barrel roll so it's it's uh once you get used to that you realize that they're not really behaving like actual planes ever would then it's okay um and there is a point i found where the game effectively forces you to go back and replay missions in order to get stars to to kind of boost up your stats yes i remember this yeah yeah because i think yeah, it must be pretty near the end, but uh, it's like it, the whole place is just absolutely swarming and there's no way that you could possibly achieve your mission. Um, Without I mean, like having more fuel yes. or stronger bullets. Yeah, yeah. There's, two, so I, there's two paths, aren't there, as well? Yeah. Um, the, well, there's two. Do you mean like as in you can fight for either, either side? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and the gameplay... It's got just enough variety to keep things interesting, I suppose, because some levels it's just about shooting all down on the planes. Other times you've got to find these big balloons, these hydrogen balloons in the clouds and stuff. Um, but yeah, so the, but there is a point at which it's it quite it 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 feels quite unnatural. It kind of blocks your progression, so you have to go back and get a lot of the stars. But but to be fair, by that point you are much better at the game, so you. And obviously you've got all your power up, so you can pretty much breeze through the early levels. Um, but yeah, it's not a particularly deep game. Um, but I would say that if it's on on sale, then it's it's worth it because I, I think I got you know probably about five or six hours of really decent gameplay out of it, and they're very brief the levels. So um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty enjoyable, I'd say. But and I can possibly... echo in what I said before as well. It is it is really good fun in co-op as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fun if you want to play a shooty uh, dogfighting game without any any messing about. No taking off landing, chucked in the air, and and really, I mean, (laughs) I mean, it's not even really like flying at the end of the day, is it? Because I mean, like you kind of die, but it doesn't really make a lot of difference. Oh, you get these um, levels uh, sometimes in between these sort of um, bonus levels where you've got to fly through hoops um, in order to keep your fuel up. And they're pretty fun as well. Mm. You just got to, and that's all about flying skill, no, no shooting. So yeah, there's a, it's got decent variety in it and it it is fun for a a while, but not the deepest by any means. We're not talking 7A stealth idea. Yeah. We're not even talking about. Um, let me just have a quick look at my Mega Drive games here. We're not <laughs> even talking about uh, F15 Strike Eagle 2. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think what I would like for a sequel for this game is for it to be four players, like Deathmatch, split screen, and for you to be able to kind of like. For just like in BIP, effectively, when you go up for your engine to cut out. And then you have yes. to kind of like turn around and like get it going again as you face down. Yeah, I do have think they like... missed a trick there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, because there's there's something charmingly crap about these planes, and yet they are completely impervious to the rules of physics. So yeah. there's never a time like if you you could point straight upwards, go straight upwards, and it doesn't make a yeah. difference. It would be really fun to have a version of this, like you say, where it's like BIP, and 
you you will stall if you if you go straight upwards and you've got to think about these things i think it'd be really yeah. cool and if you could just and, and taken off with a barn in front of you that's what you need like just really easy take off things but with a barn so you have to kind of yank it up at the last minute so you don't just hurtle into the barn I, i'd play that i would absolutely so basically you're talking that. about you want a 3d blip a bit i want a 3d bit that's what i want with four blades single screen um <laughs> <laughs> 2D. Um, well, I, yeah, you okay? You're pulling up the indie bus, so I'll go deeper into the indie bus, and I bring you Aerosoft's Autobahn Police Simulator 2, um, which I reviewed and gave. A, I think I gave it like a three or four out of ten. But this was a weird game, right? Because what it made me realize that there is a place in this world for like a really full-on police simulator. Um, so this this is you're literally. Uh, if you imagine a budget PS2 title, I play this on the Xbox One, but the frame rate is like occasionally in single figures. Like the the character animations are ridiculous, the dialogue's preposterous, and the storylines are baffling. Like it, it, you'll start off in the story, which takes about eleven or twelve hours to get through. And I what, did. What kind of perspective is this from then? It's How is full it so- 3D. It's full. If you imagine like it's just like a GTA game, but like really clunky. So it's third person when you're walking, and then um, you know third or first person when you're in the car going around the autobahn. Um, when you're walking around, and when you go to the police station, the controls are absolutely abominable, and the music just sounds like it's been lifted from Hard Truck Apocalypse um, from 2005, which is fine because the music in that sounds—it's really weird. The music's like this, like beautiful, like Russian folk, good, um, in in Hard Truck Apocalypse, and here it's like this kind of drifty acoustic, like pop rock with like really light drums, good. Um, so yeah, when you go into the police station in this, it the, honestly the controls—it's hard to walk upstairs because the camera is dancing around you, and when da- danced and fifteen pints in, um, but when you get in the car, the framework kind of levels out a little bit, and it's it's um, more you can cope with it. The, so it sounds crap, right? Everything I'm saying is this, yes, is like bro- this broken, te- technically broken, fundamentally problematic game, but the game is just barmy like the, the first level is your boss says to you well effectively you the first mission is solved by someone is going on a bridge and chucking breeze blocks at cars and you track this person down by pulling into like a service station and finding out which fags he buys and you're like good good this is the kind of police that i want to do um <laughs> It, it does this thing at the start when it's introducing the tutorial missions. I was like, well, this is this is a broken game, but this is actually really cool. So, like, you see someone on the autobahn, you're driving along in your car. The controls are really surprisingly in-depth. In it's arcadey driving controls, but then the, the radio will constantly be chattering with people saying, oh, there's someone speeding in this part of the autobahn, and you can press a button to accept any of these constantly chattering missions, and they kind of act as the open world part. So someone's speeding, right? You pull up behind them and you have to, you know, turn on your lights, do it all properly so they pull over. Then mm. you get out your car, go to the door, and then you kind of get all their paperwork and have to compare all of their details, see if their driving license is valid, see if they actually own the car, all this sort of stuff. And it's really like, oh, this is actually quite fun and quite, um, mm. you know, quite, kind of, this is, you do actually feel like a policeman. When there's a crash, you have to pull up and, like, lay out the cones and, um speak to everyone to find out what happened and then you have this sort of blueprinty representation of the crash site and you have to sort of it's called like a sketch you have to kind of place the cars where they've crashed and work out what caused it and it's all basic but it's all really weirdly involving and fun and quite compulsive um i just wish that there was more of that because when the the if you follow the missions it quickly becomes it's fun silly fun everything you've got all these menus and and all these sort of um 
uh, processes you have to follow that could be really boring but actually quite fun and involving and then it's like pushed to one side and it's just all about following this one mission path i wish this game had a bigger budget and was on a better engine because it made me realize as, as functionally problematic as it is mm. there is like a subgenre here that really does need to be explored yeah um, well, well the way you're describing it like the central premise of going around solving crimes and doing this stuff i mean i know they kind of did it with like la noir i suppose but that was more detective work wasn't it yeah more about the conversation so i i can imagine something like this if you know with a good production budget behind it could be really awesome yeah, there isn't absolutely. really a, there isn't really anything out there for like that. No, no, not at all. And like I said, it, it is a broken game. But then, but it was weird giving something four out of ten in a review, and then thinking I actually really, really liked it. Um, because, like you say, when there's something about like laying out the cones and and it being so like, such like dry police work, but mm. there's because you don't ever get to do it in other films. You're like, oh no, I'm I'm quite into this. It's like oddly relaxing. So mm. when it gets into the chases and stuff in the in the missions, and you're like, okay, these are like weirdly all the high octane chases are like quite boring. What you want to do is just be like filling out paperwork and looking at people's driving licenses, <laughs> really, and seeing if their date of birth matches what they've told you. You know, <laughs> so yeah, I find it really endearing, and I really hope they make a third one. On a and yet, <laughs> and yet you gave it four out of ten. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. You, I it's, had to. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like you admired its premise and its ambition, but it was the actual execution was pretty shoddy. Yeah, you know that I've got a soft spot in my heart for things like Boiling Point, starring Arnold Bosloo, that I know are just terrible games, but uh, like Russian games that barely run on a mid two thousands PC. Sign me up, and this just brought me back to that sweet, sweet garden of gold. I can, I can hear you wiping away the tear right now. <laughs> um, should we take a bit of a dive into Assassin's Creed Valhalla? That is literally yeah. the next game on my list, so that's absolutely fine. That's excellent. Okay, well, I played this on Xbox Series X, um, which is nice, and it, it's. It is. It feels next gen in terms of the image quality, the lighting, the sixty frames a second. It's lush. Um, it is. It's an Assassin's Creed game. It sticks firmly to the Ubisoft open world formula, um, and it. And that's fine for me. I like gamey games. Um, and I found that the animus stuff um, is. So, it's so infrequent that it just it doesn't take you out of it out of the immersion of it so it's like um it is set in viking days and you play a dane who is comes over to britain with his brother initially um to basically just loot and pillage and claim east anglia for yourself really and um yeah, and as the plot develops, you get separated from your brother. He gets kidnapped, and it's a it's a fraught relationship. I won't lie, um, between he and you. Uh, so yeah, and um, but all the while you're you're basically just claiming different counties by going in there, and you're completing like a a main arc. But also there are obviously side missions, and there are lots of things to like uh, forts and. Uh, villages to ransack you can do it by sneaking in or sniping with a bow and arrow or just waiting in there all axes blazing um so it's it's important that 
although it's got the same kind of look as something like Witcher 3 or Skyrim or something, it's it's not got the kind of depth of RPG elements that you get in something like that. Um, it is much more gamey. It's much more about, you know, the classic Ubisoft Philly and the icons type stuff on the, on the map. Um, and, you know, like Witcher 3 really spoiled us with the complexity of its side quests, but these are much more basic um just like they're quite punchy aren't they yeah yeah you just go to someone and they say oh my dog's stuck in a cave or whatever and you just go down there and beat something up um it actually like physically gameplay wise it does feel quite a bit like battle for asgard viking battle for asgard the best game of three any chance to mention that game i swear to god but also because you're going around like suppressing camps in order to take over regions although Unlike Battle for Asgard, you don't get any of the really big, like colossal battles, unfortunately. Um, but um, yeah, I it it's a weird one because although it's called Assassin's Creed, it doesn't really fit the setting much. I mean, the you know there are there are bits where you you go on your boat and go down a river, and then you get the option to raid a town, and it feels like that is really what the Vikings. I don't suppose many of them were sneaking around in bushes. No. Um, no, with all that armor on, it's like it'd just be really uncomfortable. And then imagine squatting down with all that armor, you know, you'd get pinching. That's actually my Indian Shake. name. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I there are times when I have stealthily made my way through a fort, but usually what happens is I'll start being stealthy, someone will see me, it'll kick off, and then I realize that I could have just waded through everyone. Um, so, um, it's 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 a strangely easy game I found as long as you stick to the levels sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it doesn't really. There's never really a point at which you need to go and be like a stealthy assassin. To be honest, um, there are no like monsters or magic in this that I've seen. I don't think. No, no. It's very grounded. There, there are dream sequences though that kind of yes. get a bit yeah there are there's a lot of the mushroom bits and stuff and yeah and and yeah i'm assuming you've been to asgard uh well what are they the bits where you talk to odin or whatever no, no please tell me that you've missed out a whole huge chunk of this game by not giving your village witch a hat i haven't given well is there anything <laughs> you bring over from uh is she the woman that you bring over from uh she comes over later on and you you give her a hut yeah and then and yeah. then you drink you drink stuff and then you go to asgard no i haven't done that because she ne- she needs me to open this cave but the trouble is i can't open the cave because there's a waterfall in the way and i need to like blow open the water uh the wall but but it, it always extinguishes my bomb when i try and go through the waterfall so i just thought oh, screw it i'll just play it so I haven't done any of that. So there's a whole other section that I haven't done. She, the, the, wait there. This is interesting. The waterfall that's right next to your camp. Yeah. yeah. You don't you don't even need to go in there. You need to pick up flowers that are around the waterfall. Oh, right. Because the, the, <laughs> the flowers were flashing within the cave. No, they're like around it and on it. Right, okay. Anyway, so basically I'm missing like an entire... A huge, a huge chunk that gives loads of historic backstory. Good, good. Good. Um, so yeah, my well, so I guess my version of the game is even more grounded because I don't even yeah, get to go to Asgard. Yeah, because you literally like meet Yo- Loki and all that sort of stuff. It's really interesting. Jesus, 
You should do it. Yeah, I think I might. Oh my goodness. Um, so what else is there to say about this? They, they, they've still got this annoying nemesis system they had in Odyssey. I can't remember what they're called. Occasionally you'll get these people just rock up, basically, and they're really solid. Oh, the Crusaders. Yeah. And like in Odyssey, they're just annoying because they're too high level at this point. I mean, I'm pretty. I'm at level 200 or something, and I've been playing the game for about 60 hours, and they're always too solid, so... Uh, they just spoil the fun, really. Um, yeah. Uh, they, the, the dynamic levelling that was in Odyssey, I think that's been removed as well, isn't it? Because that meant in Odyssey, things just levelled up around you, whereas in this, each region is, is it's basically got a recommended level. And um, if you go there below that level, then you probably won't be able to kill anything. Yeah, you can so, you can chance you can chance through like skirt through yeah. things, but you you will know if you go into somewhere that's like a level 160 because a wolf will hit you and your health will just go down to one percent. Um, there's a lot of from what you said. I think what I got from it because with this, my history with Assassin's Creed was, um, I played the first one and thought, oh yeah, this this parkour thing is quite cool, but then I just didn't really care about the story. And then when I played Black Flag briefly because I could not cope with the fluctuating frame rate in the PS3, and then and then there was a huge gap and i played odyssey which i really liked but it was very busy uh, and then it's almost like with valhalla they've they've refined it by taking out all the things that got on my nerves like the menus are far snappier you don't yep. have dozens and dozens of quests anymore it's almost like they've just refined everything and focused on quality as opposed to quantity it's still a huge game like you said i'm 72 73 hours in and i'm now thinking oh, do you know what i might finish the story now actually <laughs> Because yeah. I, uh, but what what I could do with this that I didn't do with Odyssey is I could hold all the narrative and the characters in my head just because they're all far stronger. Like in Odyssey, everyone basically looked like Ian McShane, which is fine. <laughs> but you're like, you who are these people? Like, but whereas like in Odyssey, like right, okay, you're much more defined as a character. In mm. um, Valhalla, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I there are some good like each each of the counties has a big overarching narrative. Uh, which you complete and some of them are pretty good actually I, I really like some of them uh i really like the one i can't remember the characters names but essentially it's it like East anglia or gloucester rupert <laughs> or <is it> Suffolk? <laughs> which one please gloucestershire um um they it was the one where there was a really it's a really brutal dane he's really nasty he's got one hand at the side of his head shaved and he's kind of He's almost like nurturing this really weedy king to take over the the place. And there's a really interesting relationship between them where the, like the weedy young king guy is just really meek and re but really good and pure of heart. And yet this the Dane, who's his kind of warrior mentor, is just absolutely grotesque and brutal. And yet mm. they have this kind of respectful relationship. But then things really take a turn on that one and i thought it was really cool there's a nice little twist and it was a good fight and, and actually the boss battle bits are pretty cool because yeah that's not... definitely the strongest section in the game yeah. that i know the bit you're talking about yeah yeah that that was really good so there's some good little stories in that regard um it is quite episodic i would say because obviously each county has its own story arc and that but um i'm I, I've hooked up with Ranvi now, obviously. Um, I did that as well, yeah. yeah obviously, because you're still burner. Um, still screamer, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, although now, because my brother's come back, uh, her husband, 
because he's come back. He's a bit bonkers, but he's every time I go to kiss her, she says, "Oh no, Sigurd's in the other room." <laughs> it's like oh, <laughs> yeah. steal a quicker here, can we? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah, because uh, it tickles me when you finish an episode and uh, Eivor says. I should probably see Randy. And you're like, oh, you <laughs> saucy cow. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can't, yeah, you can't wait to go back to chipping him and show your ass, can you? <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I suppose the only, I mean, it just looks so gorgeous. And it is fun just traversing the world. And I know what you mean about, like, it feels, it doesn't exactly feel stripped down from Odyssey, but it just feels like, yeah, like you say, less busy. Like in Odyssey, there was a point uh, after I was about probably 10 hours in, so just after tutorial, but um, where I, I was, I'd been given so much to do, so much to think about, it was just overwhelming. And especially when you consider that it had like ship combat in it and stuff on top of that. I'm glad it's, that's mostly gone. Yeah, because they did the best they could with the ship combat to make it fun, but I never found it fun, really. Um, so... Yeah, it's it's nicely refined. It's very atmospheric, and um, I'm really enjoying it. And I suppose my only complaint, which is half a complaint really, is that it's it's sheer length. I mean, it it does get a little bit exhausting when you you know after about six or seven counties, and you're like back to Ranby, and it's like okay, now I've got a oh, it's another county. Okay, you probably yeah. wrap things up a bit at this point, but but yeah, it seems a bit churlish to complain about too much content but perhaps perhaps it could it's, have been it's a... not bad content it is just oh. very expansive yeah yes yeah it, you definitely get bang for your buck that's for sure yeah um, I, it was it was in my one of my my game the article because i just didn't i didn't expect to like it as much as i did especially because i literally came off the back of odyssey to play it um yeah. and i thought is this just going to feel like dlc but i was i was completely ensconced in its world and i love just more interesting than yeah. Yes, well, it, that's the setting makes a big difference. I love the fact that it's just like the the game world is these sort of well, East Anglia and right down to Hampshire, I think. But there's like about three kilometres between them, sort of thing. Yeah. So you can like run from Hampshire to Lincolnshire in about ten minutes, just like in real life. Just like in real life. If but you're six foot four. <laughs> it is absolutely gorgeous on Xbox Series X, and I, and it really. You can really see the difference because I, I did actually briefly go back to Xbox One to play it, but of course it's down to 30 FPS and stuff, yeah. the loading times, and you realise that yeah, it feels right on Xbox Series X definitely. What are you playing on Xbox One then? I am playing it on PS4, and I have to say that like obviously I haven't because I haven't got a next generation console yeah. yet. For me, it feels like it runs well for the console it's on. Like yeah. it's a, it's a pretty solid 30, and it is yeah. still a gorgeous game with sweeping music. But yeah, I'm like. Oh, I can't. I think this is the last epic game I'm going to play. Yeah. I think I'm ready for six. I, well, sixty FPS. I've always been ready for, but yeah, I wouldn't do another <laughs> one at thirty. No, I, I, going back, it was the the main thing that was very noticeable was the frame rate. Like it still looked very impressive on Xbox One, but it's just the frame rate. When it's it feels so good in sixty FPS. Just it just feels so much more responsive, and I just hope that this trend continues of of at least giving people the option between um quality and performance as they call it because i mean i tried briefly i thought oh, I've, you know, i'll try a different open world game with some game pass shadow of war um because i do like lord of the rings and and it was just um, i found that unplayable because 
because although it had been boosted, the the resolution be boosted. Of course, they they didn't bother boosting the the frame rate, so I it felt off to me. Absolutely, yeah. I played um, first one was Shadow of Mordor, wasn't it? Yes. Um, and I I've got no I like I I know again I know of Lord of the Rings and I know the characters. But I have no real interest in it. So when I played Shadow Mordor, I was kind of, I thought, oh, this is actually quite cool. It's dark and grimy enough to sort of suck me in. But then when I played Shadow of War, the frame rate, the weird, like, it's like a clipped 30. Like, it's like none of the animations are fluid at all. And it just made me feel like I was playing, like, a previous-gen version of a a game. Yeah, and I think the problem, especially with the, yeah, Shadow of War, is it it focuses so much on agility because you run at a, house or whatever you just sprint up the side of it and then and you when you jump off a roof you leap you absolutely leap about 50 feet across to another rooftop and stuff so it's all very fluid and stuff but of course when you're limited in terms of frame rate it doesn't feel fluid at all Mm. it just feels it feels like you're kind of jerking between positions ah yeah didn't feel right at all. Yeah, absolutely. Because then, if, going back to Valhalla, which obviously I'm mm. playing same frame rate, because the the combat is much and the and the movement, whilst fluid, is quite weighty. Yeah, it's it's not as noticeable. Yeah, yeah yes. so it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, in summary, yes, Valhalla is. I think even if you're going to pay full price, you'd get your money's worth. To be honest, so oh, yeah, because yeah, it's got so much content and it keeps things interesting. Ubisoft are very good at just pleasing the player, but I'll come on to that more of that in a bit with another game. Anyway. Um, I just really want to briefly talk about something, a game that Faye bought um, for for us to play over Christmas, Hat right. in Time. And I am late to the party for Hat in Time. Oh, <laughs> it's it is absolutely fantastic. So <laughs> absolutely joyful, charming game. And it's weird how close it is to Odyssey in its mechanics. Um, I don't yeah. know which one was released first. I think this was first, actually, wasn't it? This was first, yeah. Because I remember being compared to like Sunshine at the time. Um, and now, now, of course, you realise, oh, hang on, Odyssey has got loads of similar aspects yeah. in it. Like They've been definitely been inspired by Hat of Time, I'd say. I, I would say that Again, this is the one main difference is again the frame rate. Whereas Odyssey is sixty FPS, isn't it from memory? Yes. Uh, this is this is thirty, but it's not a huge problem because it, no. it's so responsive. I think what I like again, whilst I do love a lot of Mario games, I'm not. I wouldn't describe myself as a big Mario fan. So right. what what I what really set me in about Hat and Time is the fact that it's not tied to any specific characters. Yeah. It can be its own standalone story. And I found it's like genuinely zany. Like some of the some of the humor in it and stuff uh, and the, and the dialogue is, is just genuinely funny. And it's it's not afraid to like lurch between weird subgenres like this. It starts off and you're in this mafia town where everyone just looks like a member of the mafia, <laughs> but weirdly with like a Japanese styled face, like a Yakuza face. And then and then the you know the, the two levels later on, you'll just be in like a sort of murder on the owl express and like a sepia tone jazz soundtrack yeah. murder mystery and I'm, i was completely on board with it um there's a co-op mode which is this new dlc called seal the deal which i haven't played yet and there's a co-op mode that's been in- introduced but we started off with that and it just doesn't really work the camera mm. doesn't really know what to do and one of you is always like lagging behind and and it zooms out too far whereas when it's single player mm. it's much more locked on the player and just much more playable so 
I wouldn't bother with co-op unless you've got like a young child that you want to, you know, sort of pot around with. But yeah, I had in time, just a brief one, because I know we, I think you've covered it before uh, a while ago on a previous episode of State of Play. I just wanted to say it's absolutely fantastic. It's so good. And it's funny, genuinely funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I know what you mean about the variety. It seems like every level you go on, there's a new idea. And that, that's very Nintendo-like to introduce new things almost constantly um to keep the player engaged like so like you say it'll be just a completely different setting totally different tone or like there's like you'll be in like suddenly be in a haunted forest and riding a bike through a haunted forest it's like it's just got so many ideas in it it's very cool um i enjoyed that um so how many more have i got i've got another three to go i've got two but then my third one is i wanted to mention some vinyl gaming soundtracks i picked up okay so i've I've effectively got three as well um shall i quickly run through gears five then yeah yeah um they've dropped the of war part of the title now entirely because apparently everyone calls it gears i guess um this is an (laughs) xbox series x um I didn't really understand the storyline, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> well, you, you're but, leaping in the fifth game in a series. You didn't know what was going on. Um, basically, you play as someone called Kate, K-A-I-T, obviously, because of the future. Um, and you're some sort of ex-rebel who is now a soldier fighting the Locust, who are the alien beings attacking humanity. And you are descended from the Queen of the Locust, so um, you're on a mission to basically find the queen with your teammates. You find the queen killer, but also find out about your family history. It's all very overwrought and operatic, but... This know, sounds... Just... I've, I've dabbled in games. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that is always the plot. It's someone who has a bit of a shady family history and then them finding out about it as they shoot loads of insects in the tits. I, I Yeah, and you're not going to believe this, but I mean, this has got... Um, this has got sequences where you get these weird headaches, the screen goes all red and you suddenly get a flashback to, uh, to some confrontation with a family member. It's weird. Never seen that. You, before. you get a flashback to a family member playing another world on the Amiga <laughs> or out of this world, whatever it is called. <laughs> if you're an American. Yeah. That's weird. Wouldn't it? Why? Anyway. Um, so yeah, so this is gears. So it's a cover based shooter, cover based third person shooter. Uh, hang on. So uh, is this, is it called gears five or is it just gears? It's called Gears 5. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a cover-based shooter. Um, you know you're about to get into a fight because you'll go into a, a room or a space and it'll just be loads of boxes and low walls everywhere. <laughs> Chest-high um, boxes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I've only played the first game and this one, as far as I know. I may have dabbled in the others, but it seems to me like the gameplay is pretty much unchanged <laughs> since the first game. It's yeah, all absolutely. It, I played Judgment uh, and right. first second of Judgment, and they're the same game. Yes. Um. So it's quite mon- it's fun, but quite monotonous. This it looks lovely in that kind of brown way that games looked in the two thousands. I mean, this is very recent. It's only last year, maybe end of last year. Um, and they've obviously remastered this for because Microsoft obviously wanted something on the Xbox Series X when it released. So it looks amazing. 4K, 60 FPS, good. All that, great. But even though it looks amazing, there's very little actual environmental interaction as such. It's quite a static world. 
but then how much that matters is debatable because you know you know when you're shooting and stuff um you kind of don't really want or to interact with anything but it's when because it, it does have some quite lengthy sequences where you are just walking around exploring and that's when you really notice how static this world is um so you're going around um sort of it's almost like arenas really connected by very very basic puzzle solving to get through corridors and that and you have this little flying robot with you who can scan for enemies which is which gives you a, a modicum of tactical awareness but inevitably you're just really strategizing on the fly just getting out of the way of people shooting you um the bosses can be a bit of a grind there was one boss with these big tentacles i i swear i fought him at least three times just seems to keep going on um there's did you play this in single player or co-op sorry single player and i did we did try out co-op actually you can have two player co-op either online or split screen um i think you can even have a third player but the third player plays as a robot for some reason so they don't really get to do much um you get these big open world chunks where it's so vast that you have to use like this pretty cool little sailing thing it's like it's um like a big big sail and you're big you're skating along behind it you get like there's an ice world and a desert world both of which have to be traversed that way um which is okay but again because there isn't really that much in the world it's it gets a little bit dull it's just like right it's just taking me ages to get to where i need to go um you do get side missions but they are they kind of detract from the urgency of the main story you know saving the world it's like i'll just go over and help this little villager out or whatever but is the dialogue still just absolutely dreadful oh yeah i mean it's terrible i mean the production values are obviously top notch so you get good voice acting and that but yeah i mean the dialogue's shocking really and um yeah i uh i found that the attempts at having more of an open worldy type thing it didn't really work for me i'd rather it was much more linear to be honest because the shooting mechanics and stuff are really the thing that keeps you playing and it felt like a lot of the open world stuff was just pure padding because it's not a long game i mean i think i finished it maybe 12 hours so for a triple a title i mean you compare it to like valhalla or something you barely would have seen the credits in valhalla (laughs) the opening credits i mean um so yeah um Yes, so that's the campaign. It's it's enjoyable, but pretty basic and shallow. And they've always been really games that I've enjoyed. And yeah, they, they've always been games that I've enjoyed in local co-op with a few beers. It's yes. not they, they they're perfect for that because it's kind of just mindless. It's quite weighty shooting with quite cool melee combat and stuff and sort of oh, yeah. deaths. But yeah, it's not something I would. I don't think I'd play it single player. I don't know why. I just think. Yeah, I think I I don't think I would have bothered playing had i not just got the xbox series x because it really was just to kind of have a look at what the system was capable of and it, it is tasty um and i the the 60 frames again is is key uh i have tried the horde mode um online um with a few others and um which is basically waves of enemies attacking you and your little base and it's it's pretty fun and it's very intense. 
it always descends into total chaos and just zero tactics but it is amusing <laughs> but but then i don't know if you it again it's a bit monotonous like if you're playing online i think there's more fun to be had say in in like rainbow six or something totally different game mm. obviously but i i it's very one note the gears games i find uh in in whatever mode you're playing in um i think in terms of the campaign then I mean, the story's not much cop you do get one massive decision to make quite near the end uh which is fine but i i care not for these characters because again i i've jumped four games <laughs> to to this one so i mean i recognize marcus phoenix he was in the first one but he's just old now but there have obviously been so many different plot developments since then that no, I don't know who this person is I'm controlling or whatever, and I don't care. And even after finishing it, you still don't still care. Still not. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about Watch Dogs Legion okay. uh, because this is a game um, I got sent to review, and I, I was hot this game was hyped, Rupert. I don't know if you've noticed. There were adverts for this. There were adverts for this in places. And I came straight off the back of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Well, in fact, I had to stop it to review this. And so I was thinking, oh, do you know what? Ubisoft, you know, you've, you've had a pretty good run here. So let's let's see what's going on. And this was, this was a game that I played. That, and I actually questioned. It's the first time I've ever thought I'm not the target demographic. Am I too old for this? Um, so th- this, for those who aren't aware of the Watch Dogs games, the first one was 2014, where you play someone called Aiden Pierce, and it introduced hacking as a kind of a main gameplay feature where you can, you know, to get into a building, you wouldn't just be going in guns blazing, you just get shot. You would um, hack cameras and sort of set traps and explode fuse boxes to stun people and do it. In a, and, uh, and then it was sort of tied into a, a, a corporate espionage plot with open world sort of driver mechanics and stuff and you know the typical ubisoft pick up and little side quests all good it got really middling reviews but i weirdly really enjoyed it because i enjoyed the driving side of it and i quite th- i thought the hacking was like a little bit new and quite quite sort of um it was quite punchy the way it was integrated into the game watchdogs 2 i played for about 45 minutes and i thought i cannot listen to any of these characters for a second longer <laughs> any of these like stupid over-the-top colorful neon people just taking in terms to snipe at each other um and i think it came off the back of playing a few open world games on the trot and i just thought i just can't be bothered for this Mm. so my history with it was like good and then really bad like i really didn't click with the second one so whilst it was really hyped i thought well you know this is this is a Ubisoft game. I've just come off Assassin's Creed Valhalla, so let's let's put let's hope for the best. And of course, the big selling point for this game, the, the titular Legion, is the fact that you can. It, it's set in like a sort of um, alternate future, near future London that is being taken over by a, a company that I've already forgotten the name of. I think they're called Bloom, and it, it's it's sort of a surveillance state. And you play DeadSec, who a new branch of DeadSec coming out of the ashes of the old one, and you can. Uh, sort of go out and initiate anyone into DeadSec and take over their mm. character. And whilst that does seem like a cool idea, it's the the problems that that causes, like functionally, 
like ble- leak through the entire game. So you mm-hmm. imagine you you I you start off and you can choose from like twelve main characters to like be the first kind of initiate into dead sex that you can then springboard off to get others. Um, and I just chose a guy, the one that looked the least irritating, because I, I I thought I'd learned <laughs> from the second game. And I chose him, and the moment he opened his mouth, I knew I'd made a vast error. Because he's you walk up to people, or like you do it, you're talking to Bagley, this AI in the game that kind of is the dead sec AI that drives everything. And every time I spoke, it was, Yeah, you're right, yeah, I'll do that. I don't care. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, okay, I'll go there. Shall I do that? Shall I? Yeah, okay. No oh problem. my god. And I thought, oh my god, what is this? I can't listen to this. <laughs> and I ended up I ended up doing the tutorial and I spent two hours, two of my actual real life hours doing missions because people will join you go up to anyone in the street and mm. they say oh yeah i owe two grand to a drug dealer you go around there hack in and wipe his hard drive and they will literally throw their entire life and change the entire course of life and join an underground terrorist organization <laughs> just after that one boom they're in don't worry about that um so i i i, I was every, i chose like a, a a jamaican woman and then i went an irish um an irish uh, construction worker, someone who's a retired police officer, and they all got on my nerves. And uh, the voice actors, you can tell that they're being reused because obviously they can't have a different voice actor for every person in London. I ended up being an elderly female retired librarian because she was the only person with a voice that didn't get on my nerves. Um, and then you realise when you're an elderly retired librarian who said, "Oh, hello," who oh, talks like you know um, Robin Williams and Mrs. Doubtfire, which is fine because at least it's a mild accent. Do you get a preview of what these people are going to sound like or act like before you actually? When you, you talk know, to them, yeah. Right, yeah. okay. Um, the way I, I originally approached like a doctor, an Asian doctor in his early 50s with grey hair and a brown suit on, good. And then, of course, I spoke to him thinking, oh, please, just have like a really gentle, beautiful Asian accent. Oh, you're all right, mate. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'll join your treatment. Yeah, of course I will. No problem at all. Nope, not having you. Skipping that mission. Um, and, and it causes two other problems. Um, one is that you realize they all handle the same. And after and the, the controls feel weirdly stiff after playing something like Valhalla. Right. Um, like the traverse and the stuff feels a bit stiff. Um, and w- whether you're an elderly woman or like a millennial, they handle the same. Mm-hmm. Also, the main problem with that is the whole thing going out, you need, it's like you can, you can in, in, get anyone into your dead set group. But really, you just want someone with like a cargo drone so you can just get around the city because yes. the driving is so bad. So you, mm. you get into a car, and every time you touch any other car, it's like it's like you're made of concrete and they're made of rubber. They just bounce off and fly everywhere. Um, and the, I'm playing, again, on a base PS4, and the, the, it's not a prime rate issue. There's something about when, you, when you're driving in a straight line, it's fine. When you turn, it's like a flicker. I can't express it, but it made me feel uncomfortable. Uh, fa- oh, face like, suffers um, from, yeah. I know face that, suffers from motion sickness, and she literally said, I can't play this. So it's, um, it's sort of screen tearing or something. Sort of, but it's like it's like the whole it's like the whole screen kind of judders. Mm. I can't explain it, but it was it was so bad that I ended up just knocking driving on the head and just getting on a cargo drone and just flying around above, like avoiding the traffic. Because that which happens, is, I notice that happens a lot in console games because the V sync's turned off. Um, because on the, on the PC you can have V sync turned on, so it, it like syncs with your monitor or whatever, so you have like sixty FPS. Yeah. But on console, I think it it's quite a resource hog, so they tend to be, it tends to be turned off on console, and I think that's why you get that judder as you turn. Yeah, that's that could bad. very well be it. But it it is very noticeable in this game. The other reason that you'll want to avoid driving is because oh, the music in the game, Rupert. <laughs> it it was like 
I, I was sitting there. Not only did it, it seems like there's a pretty vast soundtrack. So I looked at the list, but I just thought none of these songs, like, uh, they seem to be on loop all the time. I don't know how they worked out. They're definitely not scrolling through because you can yeah. choose you can choose stations, but they basically just they just change the track effectively. It's not like in GT where you've got separate stylistic stations. Is it um, licensed music? Or is it? Yeah, it's all like, it's all like block party and like modern London <laughs> punk and stuff. And I'm like, none of this is. And of course, I I actually spoke to my cousin Regan, who's 22, uh, and I rang him and said, "Is this a generational thing?" And he said. <laughs> He doesn't mind the music as much as I, because I'm 37. He said, I don't mind the music as much as you do. But he said, yes, I did spend an hour looking for someone who had an accent that didn't get on my nerves. Well, yeah. that's not good. Um, <laughs> you and, think, yeah, isn't it set in the future? A, a sort of close uh, future, okay. yeah. Well, so it's not quite cyberpunk then. I was just thinking, you know, oh, God, like, no, no, it's... basically you just want some synth, really, don't you? You just want some, like, really driving synth. As you yeah, go every the time I get in any car and switch to the stations, <laughs> <laughs> that's all i want like the boom, boom a single boom, boom. boom. <laughs> um, just, just have a wave shaper station god's sake but it, it was yeah so all these little problems it got to the point that i just thought oh, i just want to work through the plot i just want to and i thought i'm not enjoying this like i'm not all this even the site the the irritation of, of of all the all the sort of snappy everyone is kind of a snarky the same problems in the second one and the music was problematic. The driving was actually like unpleasant. And then all the, all the, again, after coming off Valhalla, all the side quests, you, you literally, right, you're in a near future dystopian London and your side quests are painting graffiti on walls and playing keepy uppy. And you're like, this isn't interesting at all. Even the clothes in the game, because they're so cool. I was like, I struggled to find all my all my people are walking around with leather trousers on and denim jackets because everything else is like a ripped like neon t shirt. I don't want to wear that or brown suits, obviously. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's something if, which has historically put me off the Watch Dogs games. Well, I never played the first one. I, mean, I, I gave the second one a go, but like you say, it, it just seemed irritatingly edgy and yeah. probably just date, massively dated the instant it came out. Really. Weirdly, right, all the things about the first one that people give it average reviews for, uh, like, you know, a boring, bland protagonist, give me that, because anything over these kind of, like, edgy hipsters, anything. So, yeah, yeah the first one, you you probably, if you played it now, and, and tellingly, all the things I enjoyed the most about the third one were ones that were in the hacking from the first one, Right. you know? Uh, so, yeah, I, a lot of these little things, it just felt they were really chipping away at my enjoyment of it, and in the end, I just went, plowing through the campaign and just stuck to the stuck to the main plot yeah i i know what you mean um a, it's a weird one watchdogs um because you you mentioned that it's very hyped but it's very advertised but i don't feel it doesn't feel like a, a franchise which is gets the same kind of love as other ones like assassin's creed has clearly a very especially in recent years now that they've slowed down the production it, it seems to have a pretty solid and committed user base and obviously you've got then like open world stuff like gta um and the elder scrolls games which are pretty much universally loved watchdogs is always i don't think it's ever been forgiven for that whole thing when the first one came out where they released the footage and it was just not representative of the game. And yeah. I think that almost like it's, it's just been the cloud looming over it for this whole time. Um, 
so there's always been this slight edge of hatred for it somehow edge of hatred the edge of hatred um yeah so yeah it's a weird one i like they obviously are ubisoft are obviously like really heavily advertising it but and it must be selling i guess because they keep making the games so it just doesn't feel like it like something like assassin's creed now i know that i will be able to pick up the next game and enjoy it because of the refinements that they've made and the the kind of goodwill they've built up with odyssey and valhalla mm. and obviously you know the next gta the next elder scrolls i know that i'll be able to enjoy that watchdogs i don't know it doesn't seem like i'm ever going to be able to get into that it's kind of two strikes for me now. I mean, mm. like in a series, liking the first game from you know over half a decade ago, it's like when unless I have to review it for Games Freezer, I'm not going to seek it out at all, because especially mm. if it's like what they really need to do is just have an 80s version where they're stuck with like really old tech. Oh that would be brilliant. That would be amazing. So that would be a nice literally to, no wireless. You literally have to plug stuff in. Yeah, where you're like, oh, you've got it. Whereas, like, taking like a thing from this, where it's like, okay, you've got to break into this building and you've got to like hack into a system, go online, and then like print and then and like take on a USB all this information. But have it so you've got to like break in stealthily, go up through and like hack through like a, an old fashioned pick lock, and yeah. then log in, <laughs> get online, dot matrix, print off the info. <laughs> All the while, try like shut up. That would be amazing. Oh, that would be incredible. Yeah, and yeah. you got to like to record characters' conversations. It's like oh, I need to record this. All right, let me just get my dictaphone out. Yeah, and you've got to oh. be careful because the battery only lasts eight minutes, oh, and it's like a telephone, like a thing, like the start a lethal weapon. You know, where it's like a battery pack. Yeah, and everyone's just chain smoking, and all the cars are Austin Allegro's. Give me that, Watchdogs. Yeah, the Vice City meets Watchdogs. What's wrong with that? I'd buy that. I would buy that. Um, yeah. Okay, we were really on the Ubisoft thing today because I'm just about to talk about Immortals: Phoenix Rising. Oh, okay. So many, so many Ubisoft games. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, it's an open world game. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's weird. It's like they're really branching out here. Um, right. Immortals: Phoenix Rising. It doesn't seem to be a colon between Immortals and Phoenix Rising. The, no, no. You just say Immortals Phoenix Rising. What? We, they're yeah. clearly meant to be separate things, but it used to be called Gods and Monsters, which I thought was a bit of a better title, really. It's a bit simpler. Yeah. Anyway, um, so the basic plot is that Typhon, who's some kind of huge serpent monster, he's he's taken revenge on the Olympian gods by taking away their powers basically so you play phoenix who's a young shield bearer and you've got to go around and restore the powers uh to the olympian gods and the game is framed around this storytelling conversation between prometheus and zeus um uh and this all sounds quite heavy but it's done in a very very irreverent cartoony style um so uh, you know it's very you just have to look at screenshots and videos really to see the kind of style because it's 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 not taking itself seriously at all so it's ubisoft doing their open world thing absolutely of course except this time they borrow heavily from breath of the Wild, zelda breath of the world um although having said that 
the more you play it, the more you realize I've actually only played this for about 10 hours so far. So um, the more you play it, the more you realize that the similarities are actually pretty superficial, really, because like in Breath of the Wild, you have a stamina gauge, which affects everything. Um, you have wings, which effectively function as a sail. Uh, the combat, like Zelda, is kind of lock on Dark Souls light. Um, and there are these shrines where you solve physical uh, physics puzzles for for power up points. Um, but saying that, it is pretty different in terms of its focus because um, this is a Ubisoft game mostly. It's they. It's not so much a world, it's just a very highly populated playground, really. It's very densely populated with stuff. Uh, and it, there isn't really any attempt to create a coherent world as such. Um, and Breath of the Wild was very much a slow burn adventure survival game, and this really isn't. Um, so, for example, I mean, you just get... All of the basic stuff you could do in Breath of the Wild, you can do in this, but but there's no, um, but it's much more immediate. So, for example, in Breath of the Wild, say say you you found a horse that you really wanted to tame, then you would you'd follow it a while, you'd climb a cliff and kind of s try and sail down onto its back and then wrestle it into submission. Whereas in Immortals, you just you just basically just find it and hop on, and you, Bob's your uncle, you've claimed <laughs> it, sort of thing, um, and that's all fine. Uh, so it's a very different experience. It's it's very much more all action, um, and it's a sort of it feels like more of a closed open world, if that makes sense. Um, uh, kind of quite sectioned off, um, and the I I'm probably not far enough through it, but the focus on stamina is feels a bit nonsensical given its all action style. Because virtually everything you do it consumes stamina, like running, jumping, sailing, climbing, and but because there's so much to not do, fighting, weirdly. Yeah, that's the weird. <laughs> yeah, fighting absolutely fine. Do what you want, but um, yeah, it's. I think it's something where you. I'm going to have to build up the stamina to make it more fun, and because at the moment it's just like. Ugh, I'm just running out of stamina constantly. Um, the, the actual mechanics of the combat are good. I do like the dodging and parrying, and they have a decent window on them, because usually in games, dodging, okay, I can do that. Parrying, nah, I don't even bother. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it has quite a nice window of opportunity to allow you to do that and get your counterattacks in. Um, like I said, the, it's quite cartoony in style. It's it's reminiscent of the Warcraft games, to be honest, like where you have very over the top character designs, not quite, not ridiculously silly, but, but over the top, very colorful, very crisp. It looks, it looks tasty on Xbox Series X, it's 60 FPS, obviously. It's not as impressive as Valhalla in terms of it's the sheer breadth of the landscapes and stuff and the detail it's much more simple and chunky compared to that. Um, it is a weird one, actually. I, I probably haven't played it enough to really build up a much of a, an opinion on it. It's it, I do find it as it's a strange idea as a as a game, just because it's, it feels a bit risky in a way because it's a completely new IP. 
for a start. Mm-hmm. Albeit it is borrowing from Greek mythology, so that's quite well established. But it's also a very comical game in terms of the cartoon style and a very irreverent script and its constant punchlines all the time. And yet it's pretty intense and co- the combat's probably too challenging and complex for younger kids. So it does seem like a bit of a, a risk. And especially when you think it's just been released at the same time as Valhalla, Cyberpunk, you know, these big ga- watchdogs, these big games, mm. it does risk, you know, being lost amongst all that stuff. Um, Although so, there's not there's not many Breath of the Wild knockoffs, are there really? Like that's true. Dark, it, it, Dark Souls, there are so many. For example, it is but... interesting to see. This is the first game I play where it's so nakedly borrowed from um, Breath of the Wild because at the moment I've only I've only got one I think sort of magical ability. I guess they're going to be more later, but in this you can like grab large objects and hurl them. Um, uh, hurl them and enemies and stuff and it's all quite it's all quite nicely done it feels it doesn't feel like i don't think there's going to be the same scope that there was in breath of the wild for um experimenting with physics and stuff like that it feels a bit more rigid than that so you're picking up stuff and hurling at enemies but i think that's to do with the the pace of the game more than anything because like I said, in like Breath of the Wild, you might see a camp and think, right, well, I'm going to climb up that cliff and like roll a boulder down and see if I can smash the place up beforehand. In this, you're never really encouraged to take any other route other than the direct one because it's that kind of game. It's it's one of those games which is very, very, it's very immediate, very keen to get you constantly, keep you constantly um, engaged uh, in the direct action. And yeah, I... I, it's it's fun, but I'm I'm not sure how I'm not sure how long the engagement will last. I I'm kind of waiting for it to settle down a bit in a way, um, but I'm not sure that it's going to. I think it's just going to be this kind of pace all the way through. To be honest, I've um I've only played it for about three hours or so, um, but I think I've had a yeah everything you said absolutely right. I didn't like personally didn't like Breath of the Wild because I found it a bit empty and I just found myself a bit bored with it. I can see it's a beautiful game and I can understand people's like you say the whole thing about like taming a horse and stuff and and the the expansiveness of it. But I quite like the the busyness of this and I and I like the fact that I was surprised that the humor didn't get on my nerves. Um, like I find it amusing that Prometheus and Zeus, the sort of chatter they have going over as they go through this story. But no, I, I agree. I, like I said, I, I haven't played enough enough of it to know how it's going to pan out. But my initial, especially after Watch Dogs Legion, my initial um, <laughs> my initial um, thoughts were good. Yeah, it is. Well, yes, yeah, definitely a far cry from uh, the quite grim. Another Ubisoft game. <laughs> yeah, uh, the quite grim, morbid kind of dystopian visions that you get in a lot of these games and it so it is a breath of fresh air oh, breath of the world um uh in that respect uh yeah it's hard to say though i think if it feels a lot like a ubisoft game at the moment which is fine i so i don't think you're gonna get any surprises there but i think if you're looking for something it so you i think you're gonna get content for your money and actually, it's, it was massively discounted when I got it. So I don't know whether it's perhaps not selling 
for the reasons that I mentioned previously. But um, yeah, I, I would say it, it's probably too lightweight in terms it it's more of a playground than really you know like a really engrossing narrative or anything like that so probably worth it at a discount what whereas like i said that valhalla you could buy that full price and you'd feel that you really had a uh, a really fulfilling satisfying experience this is much breezier it feels more of a a mid price game for for my liking but um, yeah, it seems fun. The combat's fun. So, um, but when it comes to the humor, the irreverent humor, um, I'm okay with that. But when I talk about the next game, it it actually took the edge off Immortals: Phoenix Rising. But I'll explain that when I get to it. Okay, dokie. Well, my my last game uh, is a game called Shady Part of Me, which is a French indie game. Um, the whole focus of it, it's it's. Uh, I thought initially when I when I got it sent that it was going to be like Limbo, like a sort of a monochrome two D adventure. And whilst it starts like that, you play almost like a shadow on a wall with like this kind of watercolor um, effect. It actually becomes uh, splits into two D and three D, where you flip between worlds, where you've got the the a, a girl and her shadow but they act kind of independently mm. of each other. So the main girl is in like this 3D world. We have to sort of manipulate uh, physics-based puzzles to get the shadows in the background so that your shadow companion can also traverse through the level. And it works really, really well. Um, it's visually, it is gorgeous, like with the um, the sort of the shadow work and the the sort of watercolor effect and how everything sort of paint almost paints itself out of light into life is mm. really pretty. And the soundtrack is amazing. It it does this. It starts off with, you'll have like a, say a, a piano run when you're on with the, the real life girl, the 3d girl. Mm. And you'll have this kind of like, I know like a, like a sad sort of piano run, but then when you press uh, X and I play this on switch, no PS4, sorry. When you press triangle, thus, and flick to the shadow version of yourself in the 2D puzzles, the 2D platforming, it'll be like a, like a moodier kind of the same sort of melody, but it'll be like with like a, like almost like a trip hop drum beat played on like a keyboard with a weird effect. And I've always found that interesting. And as you, the further you get through like an act, there's three act, mm. long acts, the more involved the music becomes and other instruments kind of join. And I thought it was That's a cool. great idea. Really, really cool. So then you'll, you'll come in one and it'll be like, um, you know like just like a, a looped kind of drum beat with like sort of like some jazz piano or like keyboard and then you'll flip to the other one and it'll be like really doomy synth that's actually quite oppressive and i i thought that was really really good it gave me the same kind of like wanting to flick between them just to hear the music at the start of each level as i did when i was playing wonder boy and you know you flick between the 8-bit and the modern just to see yes. how they play yeah. off each other which was that kind of addictive quality so the puzzles are fine. They're nothing too challenging. They do. It does get a bit um, more involved later on as you get to the end of the game, which is only like, let's say, five or six hours. There's a part of this game that was an absolute, complete and total deal breaker for me. And it mm. is weirdly the part that uh, I think everyone else in the world, every other reviewer in the world, like really, really celebrated. And it is the voice work. When you... It's the say it's an actress. It's not Amelia Clark. It's an actress from Game of Thrones. Is it Hannah something? I think Hannah Murray. Mm. Okay, right. Don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I've seen Game of Thrones, but so it's two voices, right? And I'll do an impression of the voices for you. Um, <laughs> you, you. You imagine so you've got like um, you're the shadow girl, 
who talks like this and just wants to move forward and just wants everything to be fine. And then you flick to the real girl who talks like this all the time. And oh my God. it's like, it, it's, it's, I was turning the volume down, but I didn't want to turn the volume off because I love the music so much. So I was playing the game and every time she spoke, I was just cringing and I'm just thinking, oh, oh shut God. up. And the problem with it is the stuff that they're saying, they're constantly bickering with each other and saying, like, leave me alone. I can do this by myself. I always do it by myself. And then as you walk along, words will appear on the wall that says, it's okay to be alone. And you're like, oh my God, is this some teenager's diary? <laughs> um, and it just goes, and it gets worse and worse as it goes on. And by the end, I had to just, after like, I would say I was about half an hour from the end and I just could not take it anymore. I had to stop. I just said, I can't listen to this piercing whine. And everyone else loves it. Says like the voice works amazing, really makes the game. Does it, or does it make you angry? So yeah, I I will never see the end because I just I can't cope with it anymore. But, um, but you get the soundtrack. Yeah, I, I've already I went on on LinkedIn and I found the guy. And I sent him a lovely message and said, when this gets released on vinyl, maybe coloured, one black, one white, who knows? With like one vinyl having like the sort of real stuff and the yeah. shadow will be on another. Good. Let me know and I will buy it. But. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I couldn't, I, I, it just wore me down. The, the, the voice work wore me down. That, that conceit of, like, the music changing and developing and ga- gathering more layers is really cool. And I've heard it in a couple of games before. Like Tetris Effect, most recently, does that really well. Um, and there's an old, uh, about 10 years old now, I think, um, puzzle game called Chime, which was a bit Tetrisy in itself. And in that, the more you fill the screen, um, the more layers of music come on top until you've got like an almost symphonic quality to it. It's a really cool idea. Mm. And when it works, it works very well. Yeah. Right. I'll get on to my final final game then, which is my game of the year. Even though I've not really played many new games, but it's so good. It's Hades. Uh, and I played this on Switch. I think it's only on Switch and PC at the moment. This um, is an isometric game, isn't it? It is. It's an isometric roguelike um, made by Supergiant, who they made Bastion and Transistor and Pyre. You're literally um, listing games that I don't like. I know. I played... I didn't like Bastion at all. Um, I couldn't get into Transistor, although I could see that it was nicely made. So I didn't like them. Um, and it, this one actually looks a lot like them, to be honest, because it's the same similar kind of isometric thing. But this is a pure isometric action game. It's still got that really nice hand-painted style, but mm. it's much more immediate. And the controls are very simple. You just got you got dash, attack, special, and like long-range cast. There's also something called call, which is a, like a real like something you have to build up a bar and. Um, I haven't actually used it yet, which is weird. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's not... Dusty button on your controller. Yeah, it's not procedurally generated, although the relative position of each of the rooms is random, so there are lots... It's always different each time you go through it. So you play, you're play. you playing as Zagreus, who's the son of Hades, and you're trying to escape the underworld to reach Olympus. Um, Hades, your dad, um, just like... He's just constantly arguing with you and he doesn't want you getting out. And so he keeps sending his Olympians to stop you and they're the bosses. 
Um, so you work your way through with each run. You work your way through chambers, defeating lots of enemies, and then is this single player? Sorry. Yes, and then. And then you face, uh, yeah, so you defeat hordes of enemies in the in the rooms and then move on. And then you face Olympians along the way, the bosses. So on each run, you collect various currencies, um, which enable different things back. Because you always go back to the House of Hades when you die. And then depending on the amount of currency you got, you can buy like additional rooms um, that will pop up along the way. Uh, you can buy permanent power-ups, you can buy new weapons. Um, so... At the end of each, um, when you start your run, at the end of each chamber, sort of arena, you choose a doorway and you're, you get a little preview of what collectibles lie beyond. So you can plan, you basically can plan a route that maximizes the things that you need in order to get more power ups and stuff. Um, you also, what's cool is that the, the house of hades where you go back to you you gain benefits just from chatting to the different olympians around the house and and you know you can just by chatting to them increases your kind of affinity with them but you can also give them gifts which you can pick up along the way another collectible and and you get to understand the backstory behind the various relationships between the characters and there's there's so much voice acting in this game i've i've been playing it for many hours now and i haven't seen the same dialogue twice so it's quite impressive and i think it's cool that they deliver the story in very brief bite-sized chunks so literally you'll just talk to someone and it'll be a couple of text boxes get a bit of information you like stumble in on an argument midway through and like um and it will be just be like hades saying right he's doing too well i'm gonna have to throw some more stuff at him um and this is where i, I was going to mention the humor because this is like with immortals this is very kind of irreverent um but zagreus is a very dry sense of humor so he's constantly underplaying the enormity of his task so he's is like he voiced really, by michael wincott if only if only it's the only that's the only down point really uh, i just I, my favorite character is karen the caron sharon the the boatman guy anyway because he doesn't even talk at all he just grunts forebodingly so Zagris will go up to him and you'd speak to him and he'll just and Zagris will just deliberately ask him a really deep personal complex question and then just get and then Sharon will just go just groan at him um so yeah so it's it's irreverent and it but it's it's really well written and but anyway game it's all about gameplay anyway so gameplay wise it's like a non-grindy faster paced version of Diablo really the the movement feels perfect the enemies are also really nicely varied. Um, so some of them will just charge at you. Others will have shields. So you have to like dash behind them and attack them from behind. Others cast missiles and things. And the weapons you have are genuinely completely different. I think there's a six currently. And but you choose your weapon beforehand. And so, for example, like the you can get ones which are just fists basically and they, those ones you need to, it means you need to dash close to them pummel the enemy um and then get away again sort of thing whereas you get ranged weapons which are much more about positional awareness along the way you get these different boons um pretty much in every room you'll get some sort of little power up or tweak um which will allow you to change your fighting style and stuff like you'll get the ability to shoot a lightning bolt that will zap between the enemies and stuff so you can kind of choose how you want to play each run 
depends on how far you get, but each run probably takes 20 or 30 minutes maybe. Um, but it's, it saves between each room so you can bugger off and do something else. Um, the Olympians themselves, they're the bosses and they're pretty tough. Uh, and they, they tend to change depending on your progress. For example, there's this one woman who um, you have this kind of grudging friendship with her. Um, and she's like really reluctant to keep fighting you because because um, you keep beating her and she's getting really depressed about it. She, she gets her sisters to come along in it. And what that means mechanically is that it's the same same kind of boss, but just with slightly um, different attack patterns and stuff. And then you'll get, uh, there was the Minotaur who I, I got to the point where I kept beating him. So he got tired of that. So he brought along Perseus or something like that to shoot arrows at me at the same time. So it's the game constantly gives you new little, little twists. And um, Perseus, was it played by Sam Worthington in the game like it was in the film? Imagine it. Um, no, because the, act- the voice acting is quite good. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Sam. <laughs> Um, you get also some rooms where you, you have these optional time challenges where you can, if you fancy it, you can like have another go at the room and just do it in a time limit or whatever. So you'd just get your extra stuff. So but this is obviously a roguelike. So it's designed so that you, you die and you go back and you build up um, power-ups and stuff over the time. My problem with Dead Cells, which is very well regarded game was it mm. each time you died or well, apart from anything it took ages to get to a point where you'd die sort of thing because it is quite took quite a long time to play and each time you died the benefits were really negligible like if not just completely absent and it felt like every time you died you just it felt dispiriting because you kind of lost pretty much everything and it was it the progress was so incremental but What's really good about Hades is that every, is that dying is almost a pleasure because you know you've you you're able to buy stuff and improve every single time and you genuinely feel like you're improving and so instead of it just being really really incremental progress the game will change itself up like I said about those bosses like bringing in their mates sort of thing to to beat you it's like the gameplay itself changes to adapting to your progress rather than it just being like, right, this game's really solid. You have to just grind through. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So it's because in something like dead cells, it's like you get to that, even the first boss and it's like, right, I know I'm going to have to play this um, time and time again in order to just beat this boss. Whereas in this, you may beat the boss and you may do very well on, on subsequent runs, but but then the gameplay will itself will change, will shift. And it, your character even says, hang on, this is really unfair. There's two of you. And it's like, <laughs> it's like silence mortal and all this kind of stuff. So it's very amusing. Um, and I love it. And it's just such a well-designed game and so much better than their previous work, Supergiants. Yeah, I, you've, you've won me over with that, I, I think, definitely. Is there, a natu- is there an actual end to it? Or is it literally just... Yeah, to- I, I think so. I, I did check online to see how many kind of levels there were to it and i think there are five worlds i've made it to the fourth one and and how long have you been playing i've probably played about i must have played about 10 hours well eight to ten hours that's good i thought you were gonna say like 50 or something then no 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 it's yeah it's nothing like that it's uh it's not 
it's not Diablo like it's obviously influenced by Diablo because it's got that kind of um it's got kind of an irreverent style and it's very intense and there can be swarms of enemies, but you never feel like it's just a grind and you really do have to think about positional awareness, but it comes very naturally because the controls are so simple mm-hmm. and it's much briefer than Diablo. It's not like endless corridors, uh, just swarms oh, of enemies. God. It's like, right, here's a room, clear it out, get your, get your, your, Swag. Or your currency. Yeah. <laughs> Move on to the next one. And it, I love the fact that you get that little preview of what's coming up in the next room because it's like, okay, I understand the game now and I know that I need this certain type of gems in order to improve the House of Hades in some way in order to um, get more specific benefits later on. And it it doesn't really explain any of this stuff to you, but it's very naturally just introduced you like, all right, I get it now. You get it within like half an hour and you're done. So... I, and it's one of those games which is so intense, it really gets you in the zone when you're in a room, sort of thing. So, mm. Love it. Absolutely I'm love going it. to buy that. I yeah. Think. I think it's a bit discounted now, but again, it like 15, 20 quid. You're laughing, really. Um, on the subject of uh, Switch things, obviously your Christmas present off me was a was an eShop voucher that I realised Amazon have emailed to my work email and I refuse to log into my work on my time off. So I'll be sending that across to you on the thirtieth, Rupert. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I think I'll uh, I'll probably find someone to play until then. Yeah. Well, you've just installed Captive Two Liberation Avenue, so you'll be fine with that for a bit. My Mega Twelve Hundred external hard drive. <sighs> We have to in the game. We have to speak to the same people like four or five times, and they'll randomly say something new that is vital to your quest. But if they just repeat this, it's such bad design. Um, yeah, I'm. Well, that's obviously your game of of the year. I'm going to do something a little bit different, and I'm going to choose my my vinyl album of the year, which is Chris Christondalou's Deadbolt, um, which is a game released 2016 on PC and then ported to Switch, and I think 2018. Mm-hmm. But whilst the game I enjoyed. I know your brother really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, the soundtrack has just been with me since. And I went from playing it like once or twice a week through on Spotify to just buying it on vinyl. And it's literally the album of the year. So for me, I'm just going to choose my album of the year, which is gaming related. And that's Deadbolt. Excellent. How many gaming vinyls do you have now? You must have a few. must have about, I'd say, 12 to 15. Oh, nice. Yeah, obviously you you very kindly. Downwell, by the way, uh, is is so full on. It's so wonderfully full on. It starts off with, um, thank you very much. It starts off with um, like this kind of really weird glitchy full on chiptune stuff, and then it just slowly goes into like really dark synth. Good. Yes, 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 yes. Good. Yeah, it's quite a distinctive theme to it actually, and you think, okay, this is like this is like standard chiptune synthy music and then yeah it just goes really weird and like ambient and industrial yeah so good yeah on the on the flips really quickly just to finish off um also john everest who did the music for shadow run dragonfall in hong kong i picked those up uh for a stupidly cheap bargain from black screen records at germany i think they're based in germany and dragonfall is okay but it tails off into like trailer like very very different 
music from like the trailers and early versions of the game and it really doesn't match mm. um and there's like hard ends to the tracks on it hong kong is glorious it's just a really glorious cyberpunk soundtrack with like an eastern feel to it Good. um i also have another world which is odd the last piece of music in another world that plays as, as you kind of sail off uh, you're, mm. you're as lester chaykin sails off into the sun on a pterodactyl with buddy with a mortal wound is like weirdly emotional it sounds like someone playing just like a kid playing around on a keyboard but mm. it like it was it, i found it really like emotionally overwhelming for some reason um <laughs> and the other thing my final soundtrack thing uh that i've picked up this year is a ground was a game that i was one of my games of the year in my uh, games freezer article um and I remember really, really liking the game. And they've put it on Spotify recently with a view to, I think, releasing the vinyl. And I've this has never happened to me before, but I, I cannot listen to it out of context of the game. It sounds oh, really? just it sounds like almost just random and glitchy. In the game, it's fine. But when mm. it, I think it's quietly in the background of the game. But I just have no interest in it outside of the world of the game. Yeah. So well, presumably with a, with a lot of these, you would you probably wouldn't just put it on and just with a set of headphones and just listen all the way through presumably there'd be something else going on while you're listening to them no, no Rupert you're wrong I'm afraid oh, uh, literally very do. much Deadbolt yeah. and Hong Kong I literally right. just put them on to listen to them yeah. okay. another world literally has a track in it that's 30 seconds long that's the sound of an Amiga loading good oh, my goodness that's yeah. well it probably isn't <laughs> the longest album anyway because like the game itself is about 45 minutes long so yeah. no it's, it's really it's really it's a bit of a collector's piece that just because I, I love the game and flashback so much yeah. which they should also release on vinyl so okay well so there you go well you know my game of the week yeah well game of the year hades i am yeah, gonna yeah. yeah oh yeah um, i think everyone needs to play it really because it's just uh, have you have you got any other games in the pipeline uh well i'm finishing off valhalla I, uh, it's finishing off stuff it sounds like for you uh, yeah i do i do want to just push on with that at this point um immortals phoenix rising uh i'll keep keep playing that um i'm intrigued to see where that goes and because i get the feeling by the end of that it will feel a lot more i'll feel a lot more godlike put it that way um yeah and yeah i'm going to keep playing on with hades at the moment i probably will pick up something in the switch sale before the sale ends um but not sure what it would be autobahn police simulator 2 perhaps it could even be a hat, a hat in time although i'm not sure whether are you playing out on switch yes right okay and it and it, it runs okay does it because i heard that it, the frame rate wasn't the best but then the frame yeah. was the best on PC. That'd be nice. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a highlight. Like and and even visually, um, like in in the menus and when you're playing the game, it's like it's a little bit rough around the edges. But yeah. the game is so the game is so good. Yeah, yeah. If you've played it before, I wouldn't bother picking up a Switch. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I got it on PC. All right. Okay. Well, that's beautiful. And it's been <laughs> a pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, Merry Christmas and a happy new year to everyone. And uh, yep. I'll speak to you soon. See you soon. Bye-bye.